Let us bow our heads in prayer. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, as we gather around your word today, we pray that you would remind us that even as we go through trial and tribulation in this world, it is a sign of the, the end times, the times when you will come and with that final deliverance bring us to our heavenly home. Even so, as we dwell here, we ask that you would be with us and to guide us and to help us increase in our knowledge of our Savior and our love for one another and also a love for your work that we may truly glorify your name in all we do, even as we come to you in the name of our Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text upon which we'll base our meditation today is really our epistle lesson for this week, uh, the second to the last Sunday of the church here. And it is recorded for us in the first chapter of Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians, beginning at verse 3, and I'm going to extend that reading through verse 12. But let us arise as we hear these words. We are always obliged to thank God for you, brothers, as is fitting, because your faith is growing more and more. And the love that each and every one of you has for one another is increasing. So we ourselves boast about you in God's churches in regard to your patient endurance and faith in all your persecutions and in the trials that you are enduring. This is evidence of God's righteous verdict that resulted in your being counted worthy of God's kingdom for which you also suffer. Certainly, it is right for God to repay trouble for those who trouble you and to give relief to you who are troubled along with us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his powerful angels, he will exercise vengeance and flaming fire on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Such people will receive a just penalty eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from his glorious strength. On that day when he comes to be glorified among his saints and to be marveled at among all those who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. And for this reason, we are always praying for you that our God will make you worthy of your calling and use his power to fulfill your good desire and work of your faith, so that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him, in keeping with the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. Here is the reading of our text. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us in your truth, for this your word is truth, and we pray that it would strengthen our faith. Amen. You may be seated. My, how things have changed. Now, I know just coming through here day in day, you don't see that change, but I've been around since 1983. <laughs> My, how things have changed. And yet, at the same time, we know many things never change. Briefly, 
When we came here in 1983, a party of four, now a party of 25, <laughs> it was in the old A-frame building, which is a part of the classrooms to our right here. And there was a, a new upstart organist that popped in that year. His name was Dennis. And I can remember walking into that little V-shaped A-frame sanctuary and seeing the dust rolling off the speakers. So it was quite an exciting time. A bit of a change. What I did notice and what my wife and I noticed was that the place was crowded. It's hard to find a place to put yourself in the back with kids, you know, that sort of thing. And so before long, there was a discussion. We need more room. And it probably started before we got there, but within a short time, the committee was formed to build this sanctuary. And on St. Michael's and All Angels Day, 1985, this church was dedicated. And it has served us well here at Mount Olive for many years since. What a joy to see the things that have changed. And now we look behind our sanctuary where it used to be offices are now a beautiful narthex, an opportunity to fellowship with one another as we leave once we get through this COVID thing. But what a joy to think that this school itself needed to be added to in that 2002. When, and I remember Mr. Gig Soli being part of the the crew that ultimately set the stone in 2002 in that new classroom building. And then what's happened since. So there's a lot that has changed. And in that time, since 1983, some 800 kids have gone through our school. These are all outward wonderful blessings. That's the change that we see, and some 200 I hear now are waiting to go through that process of graduation. What a joy to see that. And we should rejoice. But there are some things that do not change, that will not change. That all the while, all these outward changes are taking place, there is one important thing that continues, and that is the teaching and the preaching of God's Word. It is the bringing of little ones to the waters of baptism for the washing of water by the word and the rebirth of spiritual life in what was previously dead hearts. Those things do not change. And another thing that does not change, which really brings us down to our text here today, it kind of flows from how Apostle Paul recognized the blessings of that church in Thessalonica in which I, as a former pastor, see the blessings that have flowed through to you and through all who have been connected here. And that's one thing we cannot ever do less of or ever think less of doing. And that is, we are to be active glorifying the name of our Lord Jesus, as we are today, as we seek to do so always. As a former pastor, it gladdens my heart to see the blessings, and it gladdened the heart of Paul as he looked back to see that fledgling congregation in Thessalonica. And he had heard the reports of how there was persecution and trials and troubles that were facing that little group. And as that report came back to him, 
He said there was something else in there. They noticed that the people were still thriving in their spiritual lives. That they were growing in their love for one another. They were increasing in their faith and in their knowledge of their Savior. What more can any former pastor ask? And that certainly was the case of Paul. But think of it for a moment, if you would. When he first got to that region, it was not by choice, in essence. He had wanted to go up to what we know of as Asia Minor to speak the gospel in Asia. But the Spirit forbade him. And then a vision was brought to him, one of a man standing up and saying, come to Macedonia and help us. Well, that was quite a call that Paul received. It was not an easy thing for him to do because as he went through that region, he was only beaten and flogged, jailed. He was only threatened and chased and had to hide even at times. Yes, persecution was rampant. And the hatred towards the gospel, well, here's the surprise. It's nothing new. It's the same thing we see today. Outside of the church, it looked pretty bad. In fact, you would perhaps ask yourself, if anybody were to observe the church of that time and as, as hated and spoken against as it was, whether anyone would bother to be a part of it. Why would you want to be a part of a group where you're despised, where you are spoken against, where you might not only lose your jobs or your standing in community, you might even lose your life. And yet that's the case in Thessalonica and certainly in other churches of that era. We often think of one of the strongest apologetics for the truth of the witness of the apostles was this, that they were willing to die for what they saw and believed they were compelled to witness. If there is anything that should speak of the truth of what they believed and knew and spoke of, it was their willingness to suffer all for the sake of Christ. So what kind of trials do we face today? What trials may hit us head on, perhaps subtly or otherwise? What personal troubles do we face? Is it health? Is it fear of health? Is it perhaps even outward persecution? Loss of a position or a job or a promotion? Could be. But no matter how much we may see those outside of the church going after those who believe and trust in Christ as their Savior, we should never, never condemn them because we know their fate. There's an urgency here. There's a call for us who, who follow Christ to wake up to the reality that those who have no Christ, who do not believe or obey the gospel, as it says in our text, 
face a coming certain judgment. And that's why we should never take this theme of this time of year lightly. It's not only a call to recognize that the Lord will ultimately deliver us from all this trouble, but it's also a call to urgency. Hear these words of Paul again when he says, When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven and his powerful angels, he will exercise vengeance and flaming fire on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Such people will receive a just penalty, eternal destruction, away from the presence of the Lord and from his glorious strength. What is that cause of that judgment? There's nothing in here that it's going to be caused because of what they do to followers of Christ. But it's because they didn't believe the gospel. Perhaps they did not hear it or perhaps were told things that were false about it. And so that's where we should never take pleasure in knowing that they will be destroyed. But we should be aware of the need for us to continue to share the blessed message of Christ. Yes, we know those who escape the judgment then escape only by grace. We know from the very foundation of the world that God had planned for our soul's salvation. And in planning that salvation, he calls us to remember that already our first parents in that very first fall were promised the Savior. That we ourselves are given that promise through the word. That we are led to see that God in his love for us, the fallen, sent his son into the world to redeem us. He came in human flesh. He came in our place to do what we had failed to do. He was the righteous one. who found favor with God, who ultimately obtained the righteousness we need to stand before the Lord on that great day. And not only did he obtain the righteousness that we needed, but he then laid that full, holy, and all-sufficient sacrifice of his own life and soul on the line for us. When he died on the cross, it was to pay the full and complete penalty of our sin. And that's why this topic of the end times is a call to repentance. It's a call for us to turn away from our sin, to turn to God, to be ready for that day. And yet we also know this, that we are to but bow our heads and say, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I think of one of the most popular things I see for those brief little acronyms that they use on texting and messaging, OMG. How many times have you seen that in text as an expression? But really, our expression should be OMGBMMS. All right, what does that mean? Oh my God, be merciful to me. A sinner. 
As we come before the Lord today, it is with an awareness that God in his love has called us to repentance. That he sent his son to be the righteous one in our place. And then to take the sins of us all and to lay that entire penalty and all the punishment that those sins deserve upon his own son. And he died on that cross bearing the guilt and the punishment of us all. That's where our salvation comes. As he then conveys that to us through his blessed word, and yes, as he calls us to the altar to receive his body and blood, he's telling us, he's strengthening us, he's putting into our hearts through that spirit-given faith the knowledge and the obedience of the gospel to believe it and to live it. And what does he say? But on that day, he says, when he comes to be glorified among his saints, instead of looking at it as a judgment day, we will look at it as a marvelous deliverance. And he says, and when he comes to be glorified among his saints, he will be marveled at among all those who have believed. So there's quite a difference in how we look upon that day for that final day of deliverance. But here's where Paul would have us then recognize we have an opportunity to glorify God, even now, today, and certainly always. In case you missed it, today is Stewardship Sunday, as it's often referred to, but it's really not just about Christian giving. That's certainly an important part about it. But it's also about recognizing all that God has done and giving him thanks. And so much like these Christians in Thessalonica, we're encouraged to love one another, to ultimately grow in our faith and knowledge, to come here to, to continue to immerse ourselves in the word. For that was the answer to the persecution. That was the answer to all the trouble these people faced, even as we face trouble today, to immerse ourselves in this love and mercy of God. And then to also look at it on the other side. The letter writer to the Hebrews had this to say, and we often read that verse of not to forsake the assembling of ourselves, which is in chapter 10 of Hebrews. But that verse right before of it, says this, it says, let us also consider how to spur on to love and good works one another. And so today, we're here to spur on, to encourage you. That is, you recognize that all we have, including eternal life, is a gift, a free gift from God. And that he has provided all our earthly needs on top of that. And then we have opportunity to give thanks because we can take this time of grace that we live in. We continue to support the work of preaching the gospel, of reaching out to the lost, of supporting missions around the world, and continuing to teach our young people of the glories of our God and Savior. This is how we glorify God as we gather 
in worship and in prayer. And we do that today. But we also know that as we support this church, as we continue to support the proclamation of the gospel, we're continuing that glorifying of the name of our Lord Jesus, not only today, but into the future, unto the next generation. And ultimately, as we are brought by the angels to the Heavenly Father's side to glorify him forever. So let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For our God has given us wonderful opportunities, places, people, to whom we can glorify the name of our Lord. And he has brought you here this day in order that you too may join with all the saints in giving thanks to Almighty God for his deliverance through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's rise for the blessing. And now may the grace of God that surpasses all understanding, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Yeah.